0: I'm thankful for uh, the guests that have come to be with us. We're honored that you've come to be here. We're grateful for the members of this congregation that you're with us today. We're thankful that you're able to be with us. If you can find the book of Haggai, it's on page 1,287 in my Bible. You may have to go to the index. It's one of those short books of the Old Testament, only two chapters long. We looked at it two weeks ago. Last week I was away with the Harrison and Willa congregation, uh, but I want you to—I want to visit that, uh, that with you again. Now I'm going to share with you—you you know how how it is to be a preacher. Okay. You spend eight weeks. You spend eight weeks. I, I know I'm going to preach on Haggai eight eight weeks ago. I'm going to I'm going to preach on Haggai. You spend eight weeks every day you read the book of Haggai. For eight weeks, you read the book of Haggai. At the end of uh, about four weeks, you start outlining the book of Haggai. Then you start working on that first sermon, and you think to yourself, you know what, I'm going to cover the book of Haggai in one sermon. And then you realize, I'm not going to cover it in one sermon, but I can cover it in two. Chapter 1, 2 chapter one Chapter 2. And we could do that. We could do that. But I, as I kind of settled down on this, I thought to myself, hmm, maybe we'll put another one in there. You see, this book of Haggai is, is uh, divided naturally into three messages from God. The first message appears on the first month or excuse me, of the first day of the sixth month of the second year of the reign of Darius the king. That's chapter 1, verse 1. You with me? So it's the first day of the sixth month. The next message comes on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. That's chapter... That's chapter 15 of verse uh, of, uh, or verse 15 of chapter 1. It's now the 24th uh, day of the 6th month. So it's been 24 days since that first message. It's been 24 days. Hey, that's about 4 weeks. It, in, in counting our time. 4 weeks it's been. And God brings the second message. The third message comes in the 24th day of the ninth month. That's chapter 2, verse 10. So now you're the 24th day of the ninth month. So it's been six months, almost seventh months since that first message from God. And it's been, you know, uh, 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 about five months, close to six months since the second message from God. And it occurred to me that God's response in his second message to the people is, is in response to their response his message. What did you do with the first message? Now I'm taking you back, so let me remind you. I mean, I can't even remember it, folks. I don't expect you to. But let me take you back. The children of Israel have been granted permission under Cyrus the Great to return and to rebuild their city and to rebuild their temple. And they come under Zerubbabel and they they begin to rebuild the temple. But opposition occurs. You can read about this in Ezra chapter 3 and in Ezra chapter 4. Opposition occurs and, and one of the forms of opposition was a letter is written back to Cyrus and now uh, uh, you know, it, it, the letter is written back to Artaxerxes and uh, the letter says something like this, hey this, this rebellious people, they're back here rebuilding their city, or rebuilding their temple and if they do There'll be no more tribute paid to you. They'll not honor you as king. They're rebellious people. We suggest that you go back and you search the, the, the royal records and, and, and determine, uh, you know, hey, just, just look at it. You'll see how they ended up in Babylonian captivity. And you stop this. And Artaxerxes sends a letter and says, okay, I want the work to cease until I've had time To research this thing. And so the children of God. Who have been given permission. And who are doing the work of the Lord. Because an earthly king says stop. They stop. And for 16 years. They don't do anything more to that temple. For 16 years. They start building their own houses. They start working on their own stuff. They get their own stuff taken care of. And now God raises up two prophets. One of them by the name of Haggai and the second one by the name of Zechariah. Haggai is the first. And the word of the Lord comes from Haggai. And the word of the Lord says, These people say it's not time to build my house. And God gets sarcastic with them. Oh, it's not time to build my house. But it's time to build yours. Oh, you that lived in, that live in uh, nice homes, sealed homes and everything, and look at my house. Look at my house. He says, consider your ways. Consider what's happened to you. Consider it. <laughs> you, 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 you brought in much or thought you were, and it turned out to be little. He said, when you brought it in, what little you brought in, I blew that away. You have suffered through a drought, and I brought it. I brought it, but it's your fault. You made income, and you put it in, in bags. It's like putting it in bags a bag that had holes in it. It's gone. It's gone. Now what you need to do is consider your ways and get up on that mountain and start cutting down trees and building my house and then will I be pleased and then will I be glorified. And I said to you two weeks ago that that's all that matters, isn't it? It's all that matters in this world is, is God pleased and is God glorified? It does not matter whether you amass a fortune. It doesn't matter whether you live in a nice house. It doesn't matter whether you drive a nice car. What matters is, is God pleased and is God glorified? That's all that matters. Well, what happened to that last message? What did you do with that message? Well, what they did with that message determines what He says to them 24 days later. What did you do with that message? Because we began saying, hey, you know, God still has a temple. That temple is the church. He still has a temple and He intends for that temple to be built. And we're the builders in it. We read from Ephesians chapter 2. We read from 1 Peter chapter 2. And the things that were written aforetime, Haggai, the things that were written aforetime, they were written for our learning. In other words, I'm to make application of what I'm reading in Haggai to 2019 in David's life. David, what did you do with that sermon? What did you do with that message? What did you do with it? What, how, how did that, did it have any effect on you at all? You know, you know, preachers take a lot. They do. Well, that was a fine sermon. You'd kept me awake. Is that all that sermon meant to you? Is that it didn't? You, you, you didn't go to sleep in this one. Well, I you didn't hear me snoring. Hey, that was a good sermon. 21 minutes long. Now that's one of your better ones. Short. Now you're at it. Now you're at it. Really? Is that all a message from God means to us? Is that we didn't go to sleep and we got out before the Baptist? Really? Really? Is that all that it means to us? Or did it affect your life and impact your life? And you say, hey, you know what? I have been kind of building my own little empire. I've just I've t- I've been taking care of my stuff, building my own house, making sure all of my stuff's taken care of, squeezing in another vacation here, taking another trip there, doing whatever I doing my thing, while the Lord's temple is in waste and in ruin. And I'm changing that. As of now, I'm changing that. Did it have that impact on anybody? On anyone? Look at the impact that it had on God's people. God informs them. You have left my house in waste while you've been taking care of your own petty little things. And so I've disciplined you. I brought a drought on you. The thing, what you were trying to do ended up amounting to nothing. Now what's their response? Verse number 12, Haggai chapter 1. Verse number 12. Then Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. He's got an invested interest in this. I mean, think back. Under Cyrus the Great, 15, 16 years before, Zerubbabel is the one who's to lead these people back into their homeland, back into their city, rebuild the city, rebuild the temple first. Rebuild the temple first. Zerubbabel, he's made the governor. He's been governor now over these people. He's got a vested interest in it. He hadn't done his job. And then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. Does the high priest have a vested interest in whether or not God's house, the temple, is built? He's the high priest. He had been there in Ezra chapter 3 when the altar was rebuilt. They would rebuilt the altar. That's his business. That's his job. And he just kind of sat back for 15 years and said, Hey, they told us not to build. They told us not to build. God said, Build. So he's got an invested interest. And all the remnant of the people, and they've got it, they had been sent back, allowed to come back into their land, into their city. For one reason, rebuild the house of God. Rebuild the temple. God will take care of your house, your little shack. He'll take care of your house if you take care of His. But if you don't take care of His, He'll blow it away. It's nothing. He'll discipline you. So here you have Zerubbabel, you have Joshua the high priest, you have the remnant of the people, and it says, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. They went to work. They went to work. You see, they heard the word of the Lord and they did it. They did it. It it all comes down to doing it. You know, so what if you hear it? So what if if, if, if you hear it from God but you don't do it? Well, there is so what. He will discipline you. You know, He will discipline you. You know, uh, Curtis mentioned it this morning. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Let let me just read this to you. Hebrews chapter 12. God does discipline His children. He did then and He does now. Don't wonder. It's not if He disciplines. He he does discipline us. He does. I'm I'm beginning in Hebrews 12, verse number 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. Now this is an exhortation. We have come to see discipline as something uh, undesirable, as harsh. I mean, even when it comes to our children, this is a phenomenon that's only happened in the last 20 years or so. It's coming out of the higher education and, 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 you know, those levels of education. And, and you know, it goes something like this. Oh, you discipline your children. You must not love them. And we don't discipline in the school. We don't don't paddle. We don't discipline in the school. And so if you don't discipline, it, it must be wrong to do it in the home. And so it's carried over into the home. And we've forgotten that instead of being an attitude of oh, you discipline your children, you must not love them. Oh, you discipline your children, you love them. Amen? Come on parents, help me out when you can. If you discipline your children, it's because you do love them. Amen? Help me out anytime you can. They're sitting there listening to you. Because they don't see discipline that way, I'll guarantee you they see you as being harsh and bad and mean. When God disciplines, is He being harsh? Was He being harsh to these people because He brought a drought on them? No, He's being good to them. He was, he was exhorting them. That was His way of exhortation. So. So the Hebrew writer says, You've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not the discipline, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens, and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. He, for whom the Lord loveth, he disciplines. And he scourges, he disciplines every son whom he receives. So every son he receives, he disciplines. Are you a child of God? Then expect discipline from God, right? Expect discipline from He He disciplines every son he receives. Now why does he do it? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. If you endure discipline, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father disciplines not? But if you be without chastisement or discipline, whereof all are partakers, you're illegitimate. And you're not sons. Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh who corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? God's been disciplining his people. He's been disciplining them. And what do they do with that discipline? Now that they've received the message, they obey. Hey, and that's the way I want to be. How about you? How about you? When God disciplines me, Man, listen, the first time he spats me, the first time he spats me, I want to ask, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do I need to do? Right? I don't want to be standing there taking it. I don't want to be taking it. Do you? This is coming from God. You don't wanna be, you don't want to be just standing there, you know, stubbornly taking it. Man, the first time he, whoa, whoa, what do I need to do? What have I been doing that I should not have been doing? What have I not been doing that I should have been doing? They've been disciplined. God's told them, here's what you need to be doing now. You've not been doing something you should have been doing. And his second message is in response to their response to his first message. What did you do with that message? I'm asking you. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. Don't look to your front. Don't look to the back. Look right inside you. What did you do with that message? Get mad? Because some did. Some did. Some don't like that message. I'm telling you. They might never say anything, but they didn't like that message. That, hey, I need to leave. I might need to think about forgetting about all my stuff. And get back to taking care of God's stuff. They don't like that. They don't like that. They might put a smile on their face. But then in here, they don't like that. And I don't know whether all the people, children of Israel did or not. We're not told. We're told that the majority did. The majority, at least, feared the Lord. They feared Him. And they went after it. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Now, hey, let's get into it. We come to the pages of the New Testament. We have instructions like this, James chapter 1, verse number 21. Wherefore, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity, overwhelming naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. There's some doing involved here. Lay aside this, receive this. But even after you've received it, he says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Thomas mentioned a fence post this morning in class. You know what? A fence post does not cuss, a fence post does not steal. A fence post does not commit adultery, but a fence post doesn't do much else either. We're to be doers of the Word. We're not to be like a fence post. We're to be a doer of the Word now. These people did it. They were told, they were disciplined, they were told by God, here's here's the reason I disciplined you, here's what you need to do, and they did it. And they did it. Because when we don't, when we just hear it and we don't do it, we deceive ourselves. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever, I know, y'all read your Bibles. You read your Bibles more than I do. You know it better than I do. When you read the book of Acts, does it look anything like us? I mean, these folks, they, they did, they gave up all. They gave up all. They were, they were going everywhere, preaching the gospel to everyone they could come in contact with. It didn't make any difference the circumstances. If they were in a prison cell, in Philippi, they were singing, praise, singing and praising God. If they, were, if they were in Athens on, you know, and waiting for people to come, they found an opportunity to talk to others. That's the Apostle Paul, isn't it? They laid hold on every opportunity that was before them. Does that look anything at all like us? Or are we just deceiving ourselves? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered? Maybe I'm the only one who's ever thought to himself, (laughs) are we just deceiving ourselves into thinking God's all that pleased with us? Because when I look at the pages of the New Testament, My life looks nothing like theirs. I'm telling you, nothing like theirs. They gave up everything for the cause of Christ. And they gave up, you know, what have I sacrificed? You know, I'm just talking about me now. I'm talking about me. What have I sacrificed? What's it cost me to be a Christian? We've got to be doers of the Word. Hey, in Revelations chapter 3, there's a church. There's a church talked about in Revelations chapter 3. The verse is 1. If you don't have your Bible, it'll show up there on the screen for you. In Revelations chapter 3, verse number 1. Listen now. Under the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that, the, that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars... I know your works. That thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. (laughs) The Lord says, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. If you read Revelation chapter 1, holds the, 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 the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. This is Jesus. And Jesus says to this church at Sardis, I know your works. Oh, I know you have a name. You have built a name for yourself as alive and active. But I know your works. See, I know. And you're dead. And you're dead. And I, I wonder, I just wonder sometimes what he would say about the church at Mars Hill. I'm not trying to bring us down. I'm trying to get us to... to to see what did you do with the last message? Or is it just, well, he kept me awake. Well, he didn't go long this time. Is that all there is to it? Or are we going to be doers of the word? Are we going to learn from that and then be doers of it? Because believe me, there's one who knows, right? And His name is Jesus, right? And He's in control of us, right? You all agree with that. You all agree with that. Now what are we going to do with it? I think the next passage I want to go to is uh, in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus... Begins to upbraid the cities wherein he did most of his mighty works. This is verse number, uh, uh, verse number 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein he did most of his mighty works. So we're talking about cities now. Where Jesus spent the majority of His time. He did most of His works there. And He began to upbraid them, folks. That's not a complimentary thing. He began to upbraid them. He began to condemn them. He'll use the words, woe. He begins to condemn them. Why? Because they repented not. They didn't do anything with the message they left them. He'd come with the message of repent The kingdom of heaven's at hand. And he performed all these mighty works and they didn't repent. And so here comes comes his next message to them. This message is determined by how they responded to the first message, to the other message. Here it is. Woe unto you, Chorazin. Woe unto you, Bethsidia. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. They didn't have these mighty works. You did. You did. If the mighty works that I did in you had been done in them, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes, but you didn't repent. No wonder he pronounces a woe upon them. He'll continue, but I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at that day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, Capernaum, Capernaum. Here's where he changed water to wine, the first recorded miracle of our Lord, right? Here's where he healed Peter's mother-in-law of a high fever. Here's where he did many other mighty works. This is where Jesus Kind of set down as his home base, and thou Capernaum, which aren't exalted to heaven. And it had been, the Lord lived there, which aren't exalted to heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works had been which had been done in you, had been done in Sodom, Sodom? Where have you heard that name before? Oh, that's Sodom and Gomorrah stuff, right? If the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But but the mighty works which were done in you were never done in Sodom. If it had, Sodom would have remained till this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Why? Because you had the message. You had it. But you didn't respond to it. You didn't do it. You didn't do it. And so, so you have in the New Testament, you, you have all of this. And so let me take you back to Haggai and we'll finish up the first chapter and then, hey, we'll see what, if we want to go to the second chapter or not. We'll see how mad you are at me after this. Really, I don't care. You know, when I was young, I used to hear, I used, oh, they come by, oh, that was a great sermon, oh, that was wonderful. You know, oh, 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 really, I don't care anymore. I, I don't care whether you like it or not. It, that, does, that does affect me one, one iota. All I want to know is, does God care? Is he pleased with it? That's all I'm worried about. That's all I'm concerned with. And I hope that's what you're concerned with as well. Just tell it to us like it is, David. Don't sugarcoat it. Just tell it like it is. If we need to change, we want to change. I hope that's what your attitude is. Is it church? That would be amen. Is it church? All right. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Let's see. Watch this now. This is happening in the 20... Fourth day of the sixth month. They've been working now for for one month. They went immediately and went to work. They've been working on that temple for one month. Verse 13. Then said Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I'm with you, saith the Lord. Oh, now you're doing my work. Now I'm with you. Now I'm with you. And isn't that what we want? We just want the Lord to be with us. Because that's all that matters, isn't it? That's all that matters. If we do all of this other stuff and the Lord's not with us, it's not going to matter. And if we do the Lord's work and we never have all that other stuff, if I never get to go to Washington, D.C., and I won't, I won't. Do you think I want to go? And I never get to go to Washington, D.C. So what? The Lord's with me. The Lord is with me. If I never get to go to Baker Seed Company in Mansfield, Missouri, do you think I want to? Y'all know me. Do you think I'd like to go? Duh. But I never get to go. You know what? I'm just okay living in a a shack. I'm just okay living in a shack. As long as the Lord's with me. How about you, church? That'd be an amen. How about you, church? I'm okay just living in a shack. If the Lord is with me. I didn't think I'd get an amen on that. That's okay. That's okay. You you think about it. You'll be amen in it. I'm with you. I'm with you. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the uh, the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four-and-twentieth day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. Now, folks, I don't tell you everything... You're going to have to do some study on your own. But if you go back and you read Ezra chapter 4, when these people started working again, guess what happened? The people from across the river sent another letter to the Persian king. Sent another letter to the Persian king. Just similar to the letter they had sent before where they had for 15 years now, because of that letter, had not worked. There's another letter sent. Well, if you're going to send another letter, we'll just quit. We just won't do it. We had not done it for 15 years. We won't do it. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. The attitude is, send your letter. But we're sending one too. And they send a letter saying, hey, you don't need to just look in the king's chronicles. You need to look in in Cyrus the king, Cyrus' chronicles. Because he's the one. He's the one who sent this decree. Who gave this decree. And they sent a letter. But what do they do in the meantime? For 24 days. What do they do? What do they do? They're working. They're working. Hey, just because there's opposition. Just because there's opposition. That's not going to stop us again. That's not going to stop us again. We didn't respond properly to the first message back there. But hey, we've got this message. And the Lord, He disciplined us. We're responding properly now. And so they went to work. They went to work. And the Lord was with them. Can I just show you one more verse? In case I decide, hey, I'm not going to Haggai too? Can I just show you one more verse? Uh, He says in verse number uh, of chapter 2. He says, uh, verse number 18. Consider now, from this day forward from the 24th day of the ninth month, even from this day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Consider it. And he'll go on to say then, he'll go on to say in verse number 15, from this day and upward, from the time before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple, since those days when there heaped one measure upon another, I smote you with a blasting. But now, he says, from this day forward, verse 19 From this day forward will I bless you Wow From this day forward I'll bless you. Why? Because you're now you're doing my work. Now my work's more important than your stuff. Now my house is more important than anything else. Than anything else. And the Lord still has a temple. What will we do with that message? what will we do with it nothing nothing <laughs> be careful be careful do we really think we're in that in control that he can't do anything to us that he can't discipline us we really think we're all that and something else we might want to reconsider we might want to think about it we just want to be about building the lord's house right just building the lord's house Doing what He wants us to do. So this morning, I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, don't look to the front, back, left, or right. Look at you. Look at you. How are we doing? How we doing? And if, you're, if, you, if it's just not right, then go do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Repent. Repent. Do the right thing. If you're here, though, and you're, you're not a Christian, we'd encourage you to do the right thing as well. The right thing for you is to become a child of God. Become a disciple of Jesus Christ. This morning, if you'll come based on your faith, let us know through your confession of faith that you're ready to become a disciple of Christ, we'll baptize you into Jesus Christ this morning, that for the remission of your sins, you can go home a child of God. If you're here, you stand in need of that invitation. I'll be standing up here at the front just to help you because it's the Lord's invitation. It's not mine. If you need help in any way, you come. As together we stand and sing.